Welcome everybody from around the world. Alpi? Hi, Karen. Hi, Salpi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. I'm pleased and honored to tell you what's coming up next, which is our distinguished guest, Salpi Gasserian, who is the director of the Armenian Study Center at the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles. And I'm delighted that we have an opportunity to learn together from her uh, more about uh, the history of Armenia, the multi-generational trauma that's passed down from that history, and to discuss uh, Armenians' challenges today. So welcome, Salpi, and thank you so much for taking the time from your busy schedule to be with us today. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, Karen. So sort of backing up, let's start with making sure that our listeners know where Armenia is and where it sits in, in the geography of our world. Um, thanks. It's a, it seems like a simple question. The answers are always. Armenia sits in the South Caucasus, which has always been at the corner sort of of where three empires meet, uh, three powers. Today, those powers are Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Uh, just a century ago, that was the Soviet Union, the, well, the Ottoman Empire before that, um, and the Persian Empire, the Russian Empire, of course, before the Soviet Union. So that's uh, also been the home for dozens of ethnic groups that live in that area. And all of them have forever been divvied up amongst these empires, depending on what the power balance and the calculations of the day required. This is the area today that is in the news because of raging war, not even conflict anymore, between um, Azerbaijan and the Armenians of the region. And yes, and so as you mentioned, it, it's uh, a very, that Armenians gathered themselves together, you know, thousands of years ago. And as, you know, as we learned, uh, became a nation state not that long ago in the 20th century. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge to create a life and yet the Armenian culture is so strong, not only there in Armenia, but as you know, you've discussed, it's been part of a diaspora where Armenians have gone all over the world. Um, that's correct. Part of the uh, silver lining of not being an independent state for have, you know, hundreds of years is that you create a thriving diaspora. Merchants leave, they go, Elsewhere, you know, Armenian printing presses dating from the early 17th century in all corners of the world, from India to Amsterdam to Venice. Uh, it's the diaspora has always been engaged in global affairs, trade between Europe and the East, uh, innovations, and it's a it's what has made Armenian a global nation. At the same time, with the fall of the Soviet Union, Armenia became an independent republic, again, still in a difficult neighborhood. And that has meant two things. That has both meant that the diaspora has deep roots and engagement in Armenia, but at the same time, 
It has meant that the neighborhood is not a peaceful one. It remains a contentious neighborhood. And today we see that with you know, Azerbaijan attacking and also with Turkey supporting Azerbaijan, which simply revives old scars, uh, old traumas. Uh, the, the, it does not allow relationships to develop anew. On the contrary, old and traumatic relationships are simply revived. And yes, and as if history continues on. And, you know, the fact that um, Armenians were early Christians sitting in the sort of the, the corner there of surrounded by many who were of Muslim faith, that in itself, it hasn't really been the source of conflict you were mentioning? It really has not been. And I'm, I always rush to say that. I think that uh, even though this is a complicated region with several religions and even the Christian countries, Russian Orthodox is different from the Armenian Apostolic Church. Nevertheless, the conflict has never been over religious differences. Uh, that has sometimes made things difficult but has not led to this kind of conflict. And the conflict today is also not one of uh, religion. The conflict today started out as an issue of human rights and is now being compounded because the parties involved are parties who have had past experiences of, um, well, deep violence and trauma. I mean, Armenians lived through the genocide perpetrated by the Ottoman Empire, something that to this day has not been resolved as far as the Turkish government is concerned. And those memories have been, the memories and the impact of those memories have been passed on through the generations. I'm uh, the granddaughter of genocide survivors and my whole life was defined by who they were and how they were. And as much as I have spent my professional life studying the region the causes of conflict, and really working towards peace and understanding in this region, because peoples are able to interact. It's governments that have to deal with their national interests and agendas and try to resolve them in some peaceful way. So I've always believed that as people, we can get past these memories and trauma. And yet these new events come to simply open up old wounds. And I think it must be, I, I don't know, I'm interested in seeing what you think about when you think about the definition of trauma and part of the how it's unresolved and passed down from generation to generation. I'm wondering if the fact that not only the Turkey has not recognized that it was a genocide in 1915, and I'll mention that I think it was thought of as 1.5 million Armenians were massacred Yes, out of a population of 2.2, which is a massive loss of not just life, but a whole way of life. A whole way of life, a huge percentage of the population. But I think also in terms of trauma, that it has, there, there's many parts in the world that don't recognize it. And I think for many people who, um, you know, are, are not Turkish, are not Armenian, live in, live in Western western world and live in the eastern world it's confusing that there is a genocide that isn't really worldwide accepted you know i have to say that although you're absolutely right that there are many countries that have not at the end of the day 
the countries that matter have, with the exception of the United States, but we'll leave that alone for the moment. Um, it, the peoples of the world know very well what happened. And to be fair, uh, the intellectual education, education the, 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 the segment of Turkish society that are the opinion makers and policy makers, no. And today, some of the best scholars of the Armenian genocide are Turkish scholars. So mm -hmm. really, this remains a political uh, playing card mm -hmm. in the of the Turkish government for whatever reasons. And unfortunately, it is not just an old playing card, but today Turkey has revived it because within Turkey, both the economic and the domestic political situation are so unstable that uh, the Turkish government decided it needed another distraction, as if the ones that has been created are not enough, and has been uh, allying itself with Azerbaijan to attack the Armenians in the region. And that simply recreates not just the old trauma with Turkey, and I'm happy to explain how that gets passed down, but it also creates new trauma in this immediate region. So once again, we're going to have new generations that think of themselves as victims, that think of themselves and their region as a region of enmity and not regional cohesion. You know, one more time, we're going to have these labels of, you know, Turk and Armenian, and it's not good for anyone, not the region, not the countries of the region, not the powers in the region. This isn't the way you get to prosperity and peace and stability. Mm hmm Right, of course. And, and uh, you know, it's you're you're taking the higher ground and wanting to I mean, this is a hope for all humanity, right, that we can move forward and find a way of being peaceful with one another and and promote prosperity for each other in every every possible way. So absolutely. Uh, and and yeah. and, you know, it's not just amongst ourselves, but within ourselves, if a government has one job, to look out for the security and well-being of its population. That's it. Government has one job. There may be a million tasks under that one job. A government has one job. The Ottoman government failed. In order to deal with domestic issues, it determined to eliminate its Armenian population, its own Armenian population, its citizens. And that's the definition of genocide. It's not, genocide doesn't mean lots of people. Genocide doesn't mean being killed in terrible, terrible ways. There are other words for those. Genocide yeah. means when a government determines to do away with a whole people. Now, in today's case, the government of Azerbaijan is saying that the Armenians of Gharapah, both the land and the people, are a part of Azerbaijan. That they do not have a right to choose their own future, uh, to uh, move away from Azerbaijan because they want to defend their human rights, their civil rights, their cultural rights. I don't know if the government of Azerbaijan is right or not, but let's give them that. They are a government and this is their position. In that case, why are they bombing their own people in their own land? Mm -hmm. right. The government has one task. This is not it. Yes. Well, you know, when you're reviewing various different empires where Armenia has been sitting, you know, we can say today 
uh, in the 21st century, those empires really don't exist anymore. So many times the, the abuse that governments end up doing actually end up being a, a self-destructive of themselves, you know, of themselves by, by abusing and killing their own people. That's absolutely true. I mean, one of the side effects of inherited trauma is incredible resilience. Really? Um, how, do you, how do you explain that? I think it's because they're the same skills that one needs to survive in the first place. To have inherited trauma, you must have survived to have inherited it. And so right. to survive, you need all sorts of survival skills, fundamentally one of resilience and then the ability to reinvent yourself, the ability to live forever with those memories of being dragged from a mother's lap, watching your parents or your siblings being killed, being enslaved, tortured, uh, perhaps really well taken care of, but in a home and in a place and a language and a culture that isn't yours. And you're this kid. This And remember, in the case of the Armenians, all the survivors that we've ever talked to are children. You know, unlike in the case of the Holocaust, where adult survivors were able to tell their stories. In the case of the Armenian genocide, by the time we got around to actually talking to these survivors, they were remembering their memories as children because all of this happened 100 years ago. So to be able to live a whole life with those horrid memories that these surviving children carried with them, and yet to be able to reinvent themselves as productive, successful members of family, of society, that is an incredible skill. And it's a skill that takes you far. I mean, there's a reason why so many of the top companies in this country, so many of the innovations in this country have been introduced by immigrants because the simple process of immigration itself is traumatic, let alone when you're a refugee immigrant. I think that's, that's a really interesting perspective that I think oftentimes people think of trauma as a negative word. Maybe as you're defining it, it it's, you know, it's not anything that someone chooses to go through, but at the same time, it has some positive aspects to it, uh, a certain strength that you're talking about that's developed from it. And I certainly, I think you can see that in, in the Armenian community in Los Angeles, because there's so much of, you know, that's celebrated in the culture itself. Here in, in Los Angeles, there are Armenian schools and they, the children are learning the Armenian language, right? Often from family. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and there's Armenian markets and there's Armenian religious centers and uh and there's armenians that are participating in a lot of the various different aspects of our culture and our world here in los angeles california yeah the only way a diaspora survives is if it can do two things at the same time one is to continue its cultural traditions while at the same time integrating into the larger society and uh that is something that all immigrant communities strive to do, either consciously or unconsciously. Um, Armenians just have a longer experience of it. If you talk to any Armenian living in Los Angeles, they're either from Armenia and have come over the last 20, 30 years, or like me, they have come via various stopping points because as 
children and grandchildren of genocide descendants, you know, we went to the Middle East and then we went to another country in the Middle East and then maybe we went to Europe and then maybe we went to Canada or the US. So we identify with a lot of places and are accustomed to that sort of integration in the best sense where you are, you can still identify your own cultural treasures and values while at the same time being a fully functioning contributing member of the larger society. There's no other way. The days of the Jewish ghettos, Armenian ghettos, all of those are gone. You've got to be integrated and, and a part of the global whole, especially since connections back to the, the home country are so much easier. You know, there are grandmothers in the most remote villages in Armenia who are not techies, but certainly have a smartphone because they have nieces, nephews, and grandkids <laughs> somewhere that they want to talk to. This is amazing connection. It is amazing. But I think what's amazing is um, in spite of the fact, as you, you know, you pointed out, the trauma has been something that's tracked the, the history of Armenians. Even before the technology, it seemed as if Armenians were the model for how you do exactly what you're describing, which is how do you hold on to the beauty and the value of your of your culture and at the same time assimilate into the world you're in. Perhaps, you know, they've they've been uh, the poster child for knowing how to do that more than any other group. Um, possibly, uh, certainly. If that is true, it is because of the, you know, centuries of experience doing it. And, you know, I would be cautious about using the word assimilate. Assimilate to me means you lose your unique characteristics and become part of this nondescript whole. I use the That's word integrate intentionally because I, think, you know, if nothing else, our crazy names, you know, identify us. But beyond that, um, it is, in fact especially these days, especially in a place like LA where uh, the values of each of our various communities are so precious, you know, from mm -hmm. certain kinds of food to different kinds of music and concerts, heaven, you know, hoping we ever get back to that, but yeah. we value all of those differences. And so yeah. the younger, if, if my parents' generation, for example, were careful about not speaking Armenian at home and making sure these kids would integrate comfortably. The new mm -hmm. younger generation is perfectly comfortable being both Armenian and American at the same time and recognizing that that is possible. And no mm -hmm. one should tell us that it isn't. And we should not tell any other ethnic group that it isn't. It is right. absolutely possible to be both and more. Most places in the world are. Yes. You know, when you were saying about your being the granddaughter of people who were who had a memory of the genocide and that that is part of your identity, do you think that because of the way the trauma has been that Armenians want to continue to feel that part of their identity is a people who go through trauma? Do you see it that way? Um. I, I think yes, although I think that we often don't word it so generously. I think we often speak of it as, you know, beating yourself, you know, beating your chest and saying, oh, you know, woe is me and we've always been victims. 
which I don't think is a healthy way of either looking at it, feeling it, or transmitting it. I think what you say and the way you formulated it is far better. That is that we have had multiple and deep experiences with trauma. The Soviet experience in Armenia was on the one hand a godsend because it protected those Armenians from continued incursions by uh, what later became the Republic of Turkey. But at the same time, those Stalin years were, you know, very, very difficult. World War II, as many Armenians died as Americans in World War II. I don't mean a percentage. I mean in absolute numbers, 200,000. That's huge for a country that is today just barely 3 million. And the Stalin purges. So continued trauma and deep trauma. Yes, that's what we've experienced. It doesn't necessarily mean that the label that is given us or that we take on us should be one of victim. But as you said, people who have experienced trauma and have overcome it and moved on as much as the impact continues to be a part of our lives. It's, it's one of the, yeah, it's, it's some kind of spirit essence inside of you. That doesn't mean it dominates, but it's there. It's there and it, uh, informs some of your actions, some of your fears, uh, some of your habits, um, the extreme concern about holding on to uh, various aspects of cultural and community life for fear that if you let go, you're going to lose not just the generation you already lost, you know, your parents and grandparents, now you're going to lose your kids. But to be so conservative about, you know, don't do this and don't do that and trying to hold on for dear life. And then just outright physiological impact. I, mean, I know many people who ha uh, suffer seriously from celiac disease. And I keep reading about how that impacts, you know, those who have lived decades of trauma, like Armenians, like Jews, and it is important to understand that impact, the physiological impact. That it can cause, that it can cause a disease. It can that cause it can illness, cause absolutely. Illness within the person. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's not just well, emotional. Exactly. Well, you know, that brings me to really the question of how you came to be at the University of Southern California and how this your your institute of armenian studies came about because i don't think are there are there many academic armenian studies there are in the united States? there are there's about a dozen and a half perhaps in the us uh, ours is different most academic institutes uh, are also teaching institutes uh, ours is a research institute only and part of what we do is either initiate research or in encourage and support it financially in other ways in areas that are not covered as much like contemporary Armenian diaspora, the Republic of Armenia. So it's not just genocide and, you know, 3000 years of history, but it's today and tomorrow. But beyond that, we also expend a great deal of energy and resource on making that research public facing and accessible. I mean, that's what a university does as a whole, right? Universities and academics, identify societal challenges, issues, questions, problems, and tackle them, whether it's COVID, whether it's immigration, whether it's race issues, whether it's, you know, the best systems for education or for healthcare, 
We do the same at the Institute. We identify the national challenges and we focus on research and public availability of that information. So we're on YouTube, all social media. Every program we do is live streamed. Our audiences are in the thousands uh, and we are as uh, careful as possible to be inclusive in our programming. So we, you know, we, there are lots of Korean parallels to the Armenian experience, lots of uh, parallels from other people in the arts and arts history to the Armenian experience, lots of parallels in the Central American experience. And so we make sure we try to include, to make this a global perspective, in other words, in which the Armenian experience is a, an important part. Well, that, that sounds, that's just wonderful that you're able to offer that to everybody. And it's good for our listeners to know uh, if they want to contact you or, or that you have so many different ways of uh, interacting with them and communication. With and pleasure. I want to thank you so much again for taking the time to be with us today. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Um, only that to, to repeat what you just said, armenian.usc.edu, that's my plug, that's our site. And if we can be helpful in sharing information, carrying on a conversation, we're happy to do it. And thank you, Karen, for this opportunity. Thank you again, Salpi. I've enjoyed so much talking with thank you. Thank you. And best of luck for this academic year. Not an easy thank one. To all thank of us. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Please join us on commentaries from the edge for the next episode as we explore new understandings on a variety of subjects. If you click subscribe, you will be notified of all the next recordings. Bye for now. This is Karen Golder. Thank you for joining commentaries from the edge. If you will click subscribe, you will be notified of future episodes with more guests discussing their expertise and their knowledge of new understandings. Thank you.